Well, I'm really glad that uh, when Chris was doing worship, he mentioned when he said that God knows the number of hairs on our head. See, when I hear that scripture, there is a pause in me that wonders if God assigns the angels who struggle with math to do me. You know, <laughs> he's just like, okay, we're just going to, we're just, you do Steve because you can't count very high. So what a great worship set tonight. Thank you, Chris, so much. Again, my name is Steve. As many of you know, Pastor Fred and Vanessa and the family on our much, much deserved vacation. And I love that Pastor Fred earmarked this first Saturday of the month for prayer for many reasons. First, because it creates a space, I think, for all of us to step into a moment with our friends and our family and to, to begin to talk to God, to begin to really focus on Him, and even more so to hear from him, and I also love it because it's more of an active service. You know, most church services are very passive in that, listen, we sit and we listen to the message, right? It stirs our thoughts, and we hopefully it'll, it'll convict our hearts. And then as a result, we learn, we're challenged, we're encouraged, we're directed towards Christ. That's what we hope, that's what all pastors want. But that doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen because like you, I sit in those pews week after week. And if I'm not actively engaged with the message, meaning taking notes, praying with God about the message and how it affects me and and what I should do. And even more importantly, discussing it with my family afterwards. How many of you know that pretty quickly you begin to forget what we hear on here week after week. I mean, who can relate to that, right? I mean, how many of us know that, that we'll get out here and we'll say, oh, what was the pastor talking about? I mean, I think it's part of our human condition that it's hard to remember everything that we hear. So that's why in 1960, an American educator by the name of Edgar Dale, he created this thing called the Cone of Experience. And I know if you're an educator, you probably are very familiar with it. He said that people retain information more so by what they do than what they read, see, or hear. In fact, much more. Listen, he said after two weeks, we tend to remember only 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, And then he changes it up some and says 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we say and write. But listen, we we retain 90% of what we say and do. This is important because if that holds true, then oftentimes 80% of what we hear in here week after week is forgotten within two weeks. And dare I say... Possibly even a little sooner. I mean, maybe even by the time we get to Chick-fil-A drive through we can't even remember what the message was about, right? Tonight's going to be different, though. Tonight's going to be different for a couple reasons. And first, first I believe, because we've already created an incredible, intimate atmosphere with communion. But also because you and I, we're going to be participants tonight in this church service. We're going to increase that 20% of just hearing to the 90% of saying through our prayers and doing by stepping out in faith tonight. Pastor Fred often says, if you have not had somebody 
pray for you. Please do it as soon as possible because it's an amazing experience. And we're all going to have that opportunity tonight. We're going to have prayer stations set up in the front and some in the back. And these folks have been praying. They've been equipped and empowered to hear from God, to pray for you, to petition him on your and my behalf. I mean, last month when we did this service, my wife and I were up here praying, and, and then towards the end, we immediately, when it was over, we spun around and we asked Chuck and Penny Jordan, hey, pray for us. I, don't, don't leave here tonight without having someone put a hand on your shoulder and ask God to intervene in your life and your circumstances because we believe that these prayers, they invite God into our life. They bring healing from our past. They equip us and empower us here in the present. And he, it, it allows him to guide us and direct us for the future. So getting started tonight, I'm going to read the verse of Scripture about the man at the pool of Bethesda. A lot of you know it. And then I'm going to highlight some of the places by the pool that we find ourselves, you and I, throughout our life. Places that we're going to be praying for tonight, among many other things. So if you have your Bible, I hope you do. Go ahead, turn or swipe with your phone to John chapter 5. Follow along with me, verses 1 through 15. Afterwards, and it says afterwards here because Jesus just healed a man's son by merely speaking the words. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Well, inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, they would lay on these porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he'd been ill for a long time, and he asked, listen to these six words, do you want to be well? The sick man replied, I, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, look, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who says such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowds. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Folks, there's a lot of layers to this story, more than we can get to tonight. But I want to take a couple minutes to highlight some of those places, as I said, places by the pool that all of us can relate to in these stories. See, I believe in our human state that we're all somewhat unfinished Somewhat incomplete, we're not currently or presently walking in the fullness of our creative potential. I believe there's a better me and a better you ahead with Jesus and better decisions. Therefore, to continue our outward transformation of our inward renewal, I believe we have to continually respond to the same question that Jesus posed to that man by the pool. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole. I believe tonight our answer is yes, Lord. Yes. So I want to talk just about a couple of those places, a couple of conditions that we find ourselves. And the first one's a very familiar one. It's probably 
honestly, one of the most difficult aspects of our humanity. It's a place that both connects us to one another because of similar journeys, but sometimes it also leaves us almost a little confused, sometimes with more questions than answers. And that first place is sickness. Scripture said, Jesus knew he had been ill for a long time. Look, we're all familiar. I'm sure we've heard, we've been in church for any amount of time, the famous C.S. Lewis quote about pain, right? Jesus whispers, or God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Listen, folks, nothing gets your and my attention quite like sickness and quite like pain. It's one of those areas, I believe, where humanity collides with his divinity, and we find ourselves in this place of a desperate dependence for God. Very few circumstances in our life drive us to prayer like sickness. Sickness can take many forms, and I think it's interesting that Hannah mentioned that during her prayer. Sickness can be physical, obviously, yes, but it can be mental, Kim Teresa's talked about that in front of the church. We've, we've discussed that before. It can be emotional. We talk often about emotional health. It can be spiritual. How many of you know this? Sometimes there's a sin that's, that kind of we struggle with for year after year, and it makes our spirits sick. It's hard to break free from. There's relational sickness that is fractured, and, and we can't seem to find unity, and we can't get on the same page with people, and there's just hurts. When I looked up earlier, Webster has many words for sickness, and they said it can mean unwell, out of sorts. And I like this last one. This just says sick can be not yourself. You're not feeling yourself. If you're here tonight and you understand what that feels like, if you're here and you're, and you're wrestling physically and, and mentally with some challenges, then let's pray for that tonight. If you're here tonight and there's emotional baggage that you carry and that's hard and it, it weighs you down, then let's pray for that tonight. If there's, if there's a spiritual sickness in your life, if there's a sin that you can't seem to shake, tonight is the night that we break free from that. If there's relationships in your life that just can't seem to get themselves ironed out, then let's not leave here without coming up and getting prayer and inviting God into our situation. Can, I, can we say amen? Tonight's the night. He's here. We need to break these things from our life tonight at least, at the very least. We have to have the courage to, to stand up, take the step. We're going to pray and we're going to do. Amen? Sickness. Number two, there's another layer here that reflects a tendency of our humanity, one that I'm very familiar with. It's excuses. Excuses. See, the first word that this man said when he was confronted by Jesus was what? I can't. I can't. We create reasons for not doing something. We have a list of reasons why we don't petition God in prayer, why we don't respond when he calls. I'm too tired. I don't have time. What are people going to think? Who am I? Right? Or worse, what good is it going to do? There are a number of excuses that keep us stuck in our seats when God is saying, come. I remember when I was in the military, somebody said to me late in my career, they said, hey, man, you, you need to take ownership of your career. Nobody cares more about your success 
than you. It changed my perspective. I think the same holds true for us spiritually. Yeah, I, I care. I care very much about where you are spiritually. But I can't care more than you do. So you have to take ownership from where you are and stop hiding behind some of the excuses. We have to choose Jesus tonight. We have to throw off the excuses that have kept us stuck in the same place day after day. We have to do what the author of Hebrews says, right? Let us throw off the sin. Let us throw off the excuses that so easily entangles us. Let us run the race with perseverance. That's marked out for us. Doing what? Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Folks, tonight, no excuses. There's no reason why we cannot step into a place and ask God to help us with something in our life. Amen? We're going to pray for sickness of all kinds. We're going to pray that we're not going to be bound by excuses anymore. And where excuses looks in, the third layer, the place by the pool, looks out. And it's called blame. See, the man also said, look, I would, but what? Someone always gets in there ahead of me. I would, but they. Someone always gets in there rather than look to Jesus, we often find ourselves looking at others for our responsibility to respond to him. We say, look, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. I do. But I can't. I can't. You know why? Because my parents, because my spouse, because my kids, because my friends, because my family, because my church, because my boss, because my coworkers. Right? We could go on and on. We're quick at the draw with reasons why we can't do what God is asking us to do. And oftentimes, what keeps us stuck is we're looking out here. I would remember, yeah, we know Jesus walked on water, but so did Peter, right? We know the story. Peter didn't look at the disciples and then walk. He didn't go to Wikipedia for his answer. He, he didn't look at the storm. He kept his eyes on Jesus. He said, you're my answer. You're my answer. And he walked. That's what we have to do. We have to stop looking out at others with the blame and begin to say, you know what? I'm going to own it. I'm going to own where I am spiritually. Nobody's fault but mine. So today, I'm making a declaration to take a step of faith to move forward closer to Jesus, for then he will move closer to me. The last area is I call the deep end of the pool. It's some deeper waters. It's about identity. Some of us, some of us are really comfortable with our mat. Some of us have found our identity in our affliction. Right? It, it, it's, it defines who we are and who we've become. So no matter how bad we hate where we are, we're familiar with it. I just know it. it it's where the old aphorism comes from about change, right? Change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. We know that. But we begin to wear this thing as a badge of honor, and we get our identity from it. Not anymore. Not anymore. We have to make a decision to step out and say, you know what? Tonight, I'm defined by him and him alone. 
Jesus Christ tells me who I am, not my past mistakes. Jesus Christ tells me who I am, not my boss. Jesus tells me who I am, not my bank account. Jesus tells me who I am, not, not all of my mistakes and my wounds, and I'm sorry, not even my sad stories. They don't define who I am. Jesus does. Am I going to believe it? We hear it, but we have to live out of it. It requires us to say, I hear what you're saying now, now that I hear that, now I'm going to begin to take decisions. I'm going to take steps. I'm going to believe that what he says is true and everyone else a liar. That's the definition. That's who he says that we are. Tonight, we have to do that. Folks, you and I, we're sons and daughters of the king. We're not begging for morsels here. He's called us. You're my children, he says. Come to me. So we have to be we have to tonight get up and walk with a confidence in who we are in our identity as sons and daughters of the king. We have to step into this spirit of sonship and daughtership and say, you know what? You're my dad. You're my friend. I'm coming forward because of what you did and not because of what I've done. Amen? We need to leave our mat, folks. We need to embrace the cross. He's a redemptive God, and he wants to redeem and restore us to fullness, to everything he's called us to do. Can I have the band come back up, please? So we're going to pray for those things tonight. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for sickness of any kind, any kind that we're struggling with. Tonight's the night to pray for it. We're going we're gonna to break off the excuses, and we're, gonna, we're not going to let the the, the blame hold us back. We're going to find out tonight who God says we are. We're praying for that in here tonight. That's what's happening in here. And it began before any of us set foot on this property today. God was preparing this place for prayer. Amen? But also, remember this. In that moment, in that moment when God healed that man, when Jesus healed him, his future was different from that point forward. It was never the same. And he wants to do the same thing for every one of us in here tonight. In a moment, that guy sat there for 38 years, and in a moment, he got up and walked. In a moment tonight, you can, just like him, have a different future. So if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight for a new future, you want to pray for your kids, pray for your kids tonight. You want a financial breakthrough? Then come up tonight, let's pray for a financial breakthrough. You got issues on the job? Let's pray together tonight. Let's get his favor. You want to pray for our nation and our leaders? Let's do it together tonight. You want to pray for the world? Then come on. If there's somebody on your heart, like Hannah was mentioned earlier, that you know and you're heavy with it, stand in their place tonight and let's pray together. Let's do it tonight. If you can't think of anything right now, I promise you, as we go into a, into a time of worship and you just ask, Lord, in me what is it what do you want me to pray for he'll give you someone he'll give you something the difference is you got to stand up and you got to make a move say you know what i'm not just going to sit here anymore i'm not going to talk myself out of it anymore i'll finish with this maybe you've been saved for a long time maybe you have a great relationship with jesus and you've asked over and over again. And every time you ask, it seems to put distance 
between your ask and his answer. And it feels like there's a chasm of unmet expectations. So you can convince yourself, why, Steve, I've already asked. It creates a posture in us, a posture of our heart that says, doesn't make it, doesn't make a difference anymore. I guess he doesn't hear that prayer from me. In Luke 18, scripture tells us a story about a persistent widow and an unjust judge. I don't have time to read it all, but in that story, this, this widow keeps asking repeatedly until finally an unjust judge grants her her wish. And Jesus is like, if he would do it, don't you think I would? And he starts that verse of scripture by saying, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Our posture tonight has to be one of perseverance. You and I, tonight here at 311 Selden, we have to look at each other. We got to look at ourselves and say, tonight, I am not giving up. I'm believing tonight and I'm praying for it and I'm coming forward. As our prayer stations make their way up front, as our prayer folks come on up, get, begin to get in place. As we're praying tonight and you're feeling a move to come up for prayer, I was thinking about this earlier. If you look up and all the stations have someone at them, but you feel moved to come up, I challenge you, I encourage you to get up out of your seat and come to the front pew. Because you can talk yourself out of what God's trying to do because they're all full. But I say, if you get up and you sit here and you wait for something, some, someone to open up and then you make your way into it, things will begin to break off of you. I promise. Listen, folks. Enthusiasm is common. Endurance is rare. Tonight, we need perseverance. We need perseverance like the woman with the issue of blood who pushed through a crowd just to set her hand on Jesus' coat. We need perseverance like Zacchaeus who would run ahead of the crowd and climb a tree just to get a look at him. We need the kind of perseverance of a blind beggar who's, who sits on a corner and yells out, Jesus, have mercy on me. We need perseverance like the centurion who not for himself prayed for his servant who was then healed. What is it going to be for you? What is it going to be for me? This is our moment from, from the time we had communion to the time we hear these words. He knew this night would come. He knew this time would be you. He has your name on this day to say, come forward. Get prayer tonight. Get freedom tonight. Father, in this room, Lord, we sacrifice and submit it to you. This is your house. We are your children. Move mightily tonight. Break free, Father. Come through. Let us feel you. Let us shout for glory of the name that sets us free. Your name, Jesus.
Amen and amen.